Hi, I'm Christos Gage, writer of Superior Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, and Spider Island, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Yeah, and I'm Mark Chinacchio. I'm founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for our ninth episode of our coverage of Volume 4 of Amazing Spider-Man. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, Dan, and for this episode, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 4, Number 9 by Dan Slott and the returning Giuseppe Comancoli. Then we'll review your comments and emails, give away some prizes, and discuss all the spider news that's fit to print or fit to go on the big screen, I guess, in this case, um, which is going to include the reveal of the new MCU Spider-Man. And uh, also, just kind of as a side note here, uh, thanks for all the great feedback on our last episode. We heard from a ton of people who really enjoyed us having our significant others on the show. So I guess we'll try and do something like that again in in the future, right, Dan? I mean, you know, we don't want to take the spotlight away from us, right? Yeah, no, we're we're always going to be directly at the center of this whole thing. But... We get it, you guys. You're sick of hearing two dudes talk about Spider-Man every week. So we promise next time we'll make it three dudes talking about Spider-Man. So maybe we could do four dudes and a dog, and then it could be like our Spider-Gwen episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Mark, uh, speaking of a bigger picture here, uh, I guess there's no better time than now to blast off. There's a star waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our minds. There's a star waiting in the sky. He's told us not to blow it, because he knows it's all worthwhile. He told it. Let the children lose it. Let the children use it. Let all the children do it. Dan, those transitions just keep getting worse. I'm into it, Mark. I'm in full takeoff mode. Yeah, so um, as Dan's awful transition uh, hinted at uh, in Amazing Spider-Man number nine, volume four, um, I guess, Dan, we've gone from a global, international, jet-setting background to the most global setting of all, space. Um, Which is technically not owned by any nation or part of the globe. No, but uh, but but Parker Industries is there, and that's the important thing. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I wrote in the review on the site that 
actually, I, I, I kind of had, I had a little more fun with this issue than maybe some of these other international flavored ones. Uh, and maybe because space is just one of those things that as even though Spider-Man is not a cosmic character, he's been in space or he's done. I mean, the very first issue of amazing Spider-Man was him saving the, 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 the rocket from, uh, the chameleon. So this is not a, this is not foreign ground. I mean, this is, it's not trailblazing either, but, but, um, you know, it, it's something familiar. I mean, there's something to be said for that, right? Yeah, I was just thankful that we didn't get into outer space and find a new space station with a whole new team of Parker Industries characters we have to learn and fall in love with. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. This was this is this was just kind of the same old in terms of that. I mean, hey, we even we even got a revisit because th- there was a a slot Kevin Coley space issue in volume two before the Superior changeover with Spider Man and Human Torch that I think they kind of poked fun at the spacesuits in that one that they wore. So, I mean, Slot even got to reuse some of the same jokes visually with Kamen Coley. So, yay. <laughs> that was the one with the weird space zombies thing. Yes, that was that was probably the last time that, you know, readership was going down on Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kid, I kid. Um, but um, true to form, I have a question, Dan, and maybe this is just me being snarky. This, do you think Dan Slott secretly works for ASCAP, which is uh, the, the big uh, music ownership group? Because, my goodness, him with the pop, pop music cues, every issue, every, I mean, you know, whether it's a ringtone, this time it's a space shuttle that, that has a playlist with all these different space theme songs. I mean, seriously, man, like this is like you think we're bad with the music we put into our episodes uh, every every two weeks. I mean, you know, or every week, excuse me. But uh, yeah, Dan Slot, man. Every every issue has got to have at least three or four pop music uh, references, huh? You know, I joked in my review on on the site of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1.1 that there must be a design document somewhere where people who want to write Spider-Man are told like that he has to sing a pop song sung by a female vocalist. And I was joking, but then even in Amazing Spider-Man 1.3, he does it again. It's just like, it, yeah, you're right. It's incessant. Like, it's just nonstop. Uh, and like, it, it's yeah, now, now part of his DNA. Now, granted, in this issue, I mean, like having him sing like Rocket Man and and Space Oddity and stuff like that. I mean, it kind of fit in the theme of the of the issue. So, I actually don't see the harm of it in this instance. But because it's been so, it's a trope that's been so overused in other other issues like some like you're saying the point one series where you're kind of like why is he doing this like what, where, what is the point of this it just kind of i don't know cheapens the whole the whole thing but this is that's, that's not what we're really here to talk about um I mean, it's nice to see a shout out to david bowie and and it, it kind of highlights like potentially how uh quick the turnaround on the writing in this is you know he oh yeah died, what a couple weeks ago and you almost wondered, was this written before his death or after? I mean, typically I would probably say before, but maybe not. It might have been before, and they probably, you know, kind of in the, you know, I don't want to say the cutting room, but you know what I mean, the editing room, like probably were able to kind of tighten a tighten a reference in there. You know what I mean? Like um, I'm sure Space Oddity was going to be on the playlist regardless of David Bowie's status in terms of living or dead. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, choice. Uh, so, uh, but so going to the space partnered up, 
Peter with Nick Fury Jr. Because I guess we demanded it as fans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really get this relationship, Mark. Like, I would I would have thought that Shield would know that Peter Parker is Spider Man. Like, I could have sworn he revealed his identity to them, or that they, like, in their international spy smartness, could at least figure out the obvious. Uh, you know, like these are the same person, but like, I don't know why everybody and everybody treats Nick Fury like they've never heard of him. You know, like, well, I mean, I yeah. guess like, we have never really no heard of Nick Fury Jr. either. He kind of came out of nowhere, so I I don't know. This whole relationship is kind of bizarre to me. Yeah, and isn't like Fury Senior like the Watcher on the Moon somewhere? So I mean, you know, if you're in space with Fury Jr., you could have made reference to that. I mean, you know, or, or does, does, did original sin not happen in the post secret wars universe? I don't know. <laughs> was, that, was that wiped out from existence? But I, mean, I already feel pretty dubious about Nick Fury senior being a, a watcher but, on the moon, yeah, but being okay. a lot too, but yeah, whatever. Uh, I, th- I think, I think Marvel was dubious, like within three minutes of having that issue published. Um, <laughs> Quick, but, we've uh, got to reboot the whole universe because of this. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the the one positive was, you know, the, the, the Spider-Man Fury team up for the most part was pretty inconsequential. It just set up a lot of exposition in this comic, right? Oh, well, my goodness. Like every other line of the first several pages is just pure exposition, like not even like subtle. It's like straight up, here's what we're doing and here's why we're doing it. Yes, we, we need to locate the, uh, what do we call it? The, um, the... The, the orrery. Or- orrery. <laughs> okay, so I thought when I read that, I was like, what the hell is this? Especially on, like, the recap page, it said that they had gotten the orrery from the Rosetta Stone, which I remember them getting an item from the Rosetta Stone. Did you remember that it was an orrery? No, and and I'm not going to say that word again because I can't. Orrery. Orrery. It's, like, it's like rural juror. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, I looked up what an orrery was. Oh, do do tell me. What is it? You see it in this issue, and I guess you could kind of make it out, but it is a mechanical model of the solar system, which begs another question, like, how did that fit inside the Rosetta Stone? And I never felt like we saw him pick up anything that looked like that from the Rosetta Stone. Well, Dan, this if you're looking for an issue of Spider-Man that has lots of implausible things in it, let me tell you, <laughs> you come to the right place. So, so we could chalk that up as number one. Um, can can I did, we put number two is Spider Rocket? Yeah, well, Spider Rocket. Yeah. Um, are, are you talking about the the rocket itself? Uh, that, yeah, that I'm they, talking about the existence of a spy, arachno rocket or whatever you want. A, yeah, a the arachno rocket. rocket. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just the fact that, yeah, that they, that he so casually like abandoned it and Nick Fury in space to go like work on his reentry to get land back in Paris. But we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> just, just, just like, you know, baseline of this story is you need to accept that Spider-Man has a space faring vessel, period. Yes. That's the foundation of this story. Right. Well, you know, the Fantastic Four had those kinds of vessels. So I guess, you know, if, if they could have one in the silver age, Spider-Man can have one now, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it took, I, yeah, I saw the preview art and I rolled my eyes and like, I think in the days between seeing the preview art and reading this issue, 
my soul had come to accept this. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, this, this, this issue is like having a very profound effect on people, Dan, because I mean, and you'll see when we get to our actual like final grades and stuff, but I've, I've been hearing a lot of comments about the soul in relation to this issue. Oh, I think <laughs> what, Zeke said on our comments that it broke his soul. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if it broke my soul. I think it just is kind of just like so many things are challenging my conventions in terms of suspension of disbelief and, and, and how I feel certain narratives should be constructed that I'm almost just kind of like, you know what? I just got to look at this in a totally different lens and that's not me defending it or justifying it. It's just like, we're going to read these comics and talk about them and write about them. You know, maybe I just need to put on a different pair of glasses. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny because you and I almost begged for this because we were like, uh, this book is not going extreme enough. Like, if you're going to change it, let's really change it. And I think giving him a rocket, officially, it's changed. Yes, yes. It's, this is this is a, a brand new world. Um, I do, I, 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 I do want to go back and just reemphasize the point. He abandons Nick Fury Jr. in space, which I thought was great. Because <laughs> that's what I, if I was stuck on an arachno rabbit or arachno rocket with Nick Fury Jr. and got attacked by the Zodiac and his goons or, or the Scorpios and his goons, I would abandon Nick Fury Jr. in space. I just want to put that forward. I, I, I actually <laughs> like it was at a moment I applauded Spider-Man. I was like, yeah. Like, you know, I thought he was just going to like, oh, I got to help you out. Oh, power responsibility. No, leave him in space. The ISS is over there. Come on. I like that you thought about this so much, but. uh... (laughs) It was a profound moment for me, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it kind of does say something about Peter. Like he's I mean, he's always been brash, but I don't know that we would ever see him do something like this, you know, before. Whether that's him being written out of character or not. There's a certain amount of his ego that is telling himself that he can do all these things, and he has this nagging thought in the back of his head that he keeps pushing away, whereas I feel like before that nagging thought would often like just take over control. You know, like even when during the superior era where his, you know, his his hand faltered, you know, and he and he pulled Doc Ock by doing the surgery, or where he like faltered when Doc Ock was destroying his mind. He allowed his naggingness to take over. And here he's just like, screw it. I'm just going to jump through the atmosphere and land on planet Earth. In Paris. Somehow at the exact spot <laughs> that he <laughs> needed to go. Uh, and, okay, uh, allow well, me. Well, 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 before we get to that. All let's, right, all let, right. Let, let's, let's also talk about the other moment of extreme disbelief. And and this 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 kind of like. I don't know. This is like a, a vortex of suspension of disbelief moments. So, so Gemini uh, of the Zodiac, I guess, has this power of being able to see into the future, except for what is it like one minute after the clock goes midnight or something? Is that this is this was part of that exposition in the beginning, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> and and except for all the other times when they didn't have this right. power. Right, right, right. So so they have this power, and it's just that one minute where they can't see, and that is the exact minute where Spider-Man locates the Ori. 
<laughs> what was that again, Mark? The the ori. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there you go, kids. I mean, yeah. Like, like I. <laughs> well, but hold on. Let me ask you, Mark. Do you think it was Spider-Man's intention to do this or did he accidentally, coincidentally do this? Like, there's no hint whether that was planned or not. I, I, I couldn't tell you. And, and, and like I said, this is, this is, this is where we're, this is where we're at, Dan. It's like, it's just, it's just, I don't know if this is a byproduct of, Dan Slot not being entirely comfortable with how to craft a story of this nature in terms of like these kind of like techie spy books. Um, or maybe he just doesn't care about plot holes anymore and it's like, nope, I'm just putting this in here now. And that's the device. Go. <laughs> it's kind of like improv. You never say no, it's just yes and. <laughs> well, speaking of improvising, Spider-Man has to improvise, improvise to defend him and Nick Fury. We're jumping around in this book here. He and Nick Fury. That's okay. <laughs> this book kind of jumps around. So <laughs> he and Nick Fury are on this satellite, and other satellites are attacking them. Which I love that the Scorpio is control. Like in in the manner of this goofy book, Scorpio is controlling the satellite with a freaking joystick. <laughs> like like it's and it's laid out like a video game. You know and. That's how he's attacking Spider-Man. Okay, I buy it. This book is goofy as F yeah. blank, blank, blank. And <laughs> F-E okay, double great. hockey six. Wait, no. <laughs> so Spider-Man uses his super missile rocket from Metroid and just destroys all of them. Wait, way to go. Star Fox Pew! bomb. Boom. Oh, the Star Fox bomb. Love that. You're at the screen, <laughs> baby. <laughs> and uh yeah so then i guess the only other option is i guess spider-man has to go that instant to paris yes and then this begins probably the most improbable scene is this the most improbable scene in spider-man history dan that's uh there's too many of those i think to really count but it is quite, i don't know this improbable. is i i this is I, I know that that Spider-Man has a has a a knack for overcoming impossible odds, but you know, I mean, I don't know. I kind of accept him crawling out of the mind space and overtaking Doc Ock more than fashioning himself with like some webbing and like a suit into re-entering the Earth's atmosphere and landing in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you'll indulge me here, Mark. Okay, explain. Spider-Man takes off in a rocket from New York City, from the Baxter yeah. Building. Yeah. Goes into space. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's taking the Baxter Building car, whatever, the Fantastic Car, which doesn't really have, like, any kind of extreme exhaust to get into space. It just kind of magics its way. The technology, science, it goes yes. into space. And that's fine. This one is like, boom, blasting rocket. Okay, so we're we're over New York space now. The Earth rotates. <laughs> okay, the Earth rotates in a clockwise fashion. I I'm guessing I would say does clockwise work? No, it rotates to the east. 
Yeah, it gets, it, it, it gets clockwise. That's fine. Okay. It rotates to the east. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's spinning, whatever, vertically. Right. And that would mean that as Spider-Man was up, he would be passing over California and Japan and Hawaii, you know, in that direction, right? The right. longer he was up there. Not the opposite direction towards Paris. And yeah, but but are you accounting for wind resistance, Dan? You, you got me there, Mark. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't ask for realism in these things. I'm just being ridiculous here. But, like, using science, he would have to be up there for, like, almost a day, you know, to – to do this, and if we're counting days, we can go back to Scorpio and Gemini's resetting the clock in a day so that they would be further in the future, unless this all happened at midnight at the exact moment where they can't see the future. You following me here, Mark? Yeah. With all that said, I'm going to tell you something. This, this, this re-entry sequence, I'm not going to lie, Dan. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. I don't know, because, it, well, first of all, I thought Kevin Coley did a really good job of it visually. I thought, like, it it, it felt tense. It, you know, the, that, that tension was well, it was well paced, well laid out, like kind of the, the sequence of the images. Um, but, like, you know, we talk about this a lot with this book, about, like, you know, how Spider-Man sometimes feels like an ancillary character in his own book, like he's never doing anything for himself. And, and kind of similar to what we got in the Cloak and Dagger arc, I mean, like, this is a superhero book with a superhero doing superhero things and being good at it and, like, succeeding. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I, that's fun. I don't know. I, it's fun to see a hero do weird and crazy things. And I agree with you. After all of that craziness, I enjoyed it too. But I do have one caveat. Yes. Despite all the things I've listed <laughs> previously yes. to this. Yes, yes. In the logic of this story, and in keeping with the logic of Spider-Man stories, right, he's going down here, and the thing that saves him are this, like, back spider webbing. Okay, he's got webbing foam in his back spider. Weird. All right. But I think you, this story could have been taken to another level if in the manner of all Spider-Man stories, you know, he gets himself – he's brash. He gets himself into trouble. But he always, like, comes up with some smart trick to get himself out of it. Mm -hmm. I would have liked it if the answer to his problem wasn't, like, push a button, activate web foam. It was something a little smarter where it's like, okay, he actually did something, you know – to really achieve this rather than like, oh, I guess we have to accept that there's foam in his back now. You see what right. I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's a valid point. Um, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, it just felt like more of a victory instead of like I lucked my way out of this. Like, oh, I solved my way out of this. Right, right. Um, did you like the I'm not Iron Man comment that was thrown in there? Uh, during that whole sequence, I mean, I, I it, it makes me wonder when when that shows up. Like, I mean, is this is this Dan Slot like trying to address critics or egg them on, or just show that he's aware of what's being said about the book? Is he being thin skinned? I mean, what's because I almost feel like it's just too on the nose, and I could have done without it. You know? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fine beat, and I don't want to read too much into what Dan Slott's thoughts are about this. Or, I mean, we certainly have done that plenty of times before, but I think it would have been a better beat if it wasn't, like, the second time that we'd heard that in the book, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, if the first one never happened and this is the first time, I think I would have really liked it a lot. Um, and I like it. I just was like, oh, I've heard it before, Dan Slott, in your own book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so by the time that Spidey survives this improbable feat, uh, you know, he's got Scorpio waiting for him and Scorpio's kind of like all like super powered from the Ori. I don't know. Is uh, he super powered from the Ori? I don't know, but he's, he's, he's all, he's all jacked up and it's like, like we're setting up for a boss battle and I got to tell you, like, yeah, you know, I sometimes groan, especially in books like 2099 where i feel like there's been too many boss battles so far um but this was uh i was like all right again like we're finally gonna get a showdown between spider-man and a villain like doing you know like a big battle like this guy who's been tormenting him so to speak for the last nine issues like all right let's pay this off i i was kind of like all right i'm ready to see these guys throw down next issue i i for it was the first time i actually kind of felt excited about scorpio yeah I just want to know who's going to get the Ori. Ori. <laughs> um, no, I thought it was a nice splash page there at the end, and he certainly looks menacing, and Peter seems to be in some kind of beat-up shape, and that's you know that's par for the course in Spidey comics. Maybe he'll put a sling around his arm there and, you go. Uh, and, and try to fight him. I, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I'm actually looking forward to it too. Yeah. So – do you have anything else on this? Well, on I this? think we should discuss one of the only subplots in this book, and I think oh, right. to, yes. to its benefit, this book really only has like one s- subplot, where I yes. think a lot of slot books indulge in this. Correct. Uh, we have uh, Anna Maria uh, is getting her Mac on. Yeah, with another. Well, is this a new character? I think so. I've, speaking of speaking of new characters, we need to fall in love with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think maybe he's been introduced before, but. Now he's being given actual, like, credible screen time, I guess. Yeah, before he's inevitably fridged by who who witnesses them being macking together, correct? Yeah, yeah, right. So why don't you tell us your thoughts about this? Well, um, I, obviously, I mean, we're under the impression that Dead No More is somehow going to involve Doc Ock, right? I mean, like, is that kind of just a given at this point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying Doc Ock's the man in red or is the mastermind or anything like that, but, like, he he will be among the dead no more. It just seems kind of inevitable, right? Yeah, and dead no more doesn't necessarily mean one person. It could be – I mean, certainly we've already seen several other people come back from the dead, so – or right. we're presuming that they're back from the dead. But uh, I think, you know, Nick Lowe has kind of been teasing, like, oh, the dead no more is going to be bigger than Superior Spider-Man. Which to me means Doc Ock is coming back and also makes me suspect maybe he's not coming back in Doc Ock's body. Um, are you ready for Doc Ock Uncle Ben, Mark? Oh, dear. <laughs> That's just too terrible to even contemplate. Um, but yeah, so um, but we're so we're we're setting that up more. And I, I and I think like, you know, it's. I think this was an important beat in terms of 
establishing the fact that when Otto is back in whatever form he's back in, I mean, he's going to be a villain, right? I mean, like he has to be at this point. I mean, like, like we're, we're not bringing him back to be this kind of, you know, tweener anti-hero that he was in Spider-Verse and towards the end of Superior. I mean, and, and, you know, like, yeah, like seeing his love canoodle with someone, you know, makes him sympathetic, but like, you know, again, I feel like whatever I, and I'm being terrible because I'm not remembering this new character's name. Uh, (laughs) But he, he, the character seems expendable to me because I'm assuming that Doc Ock is probably going to end him. <laughs> Just call it a hunch. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think about this in terms of Anna Maria? Because like, I think it's great to see her doing something in the book. That's not like having this weird relationship with Peter Parker that never was that clearly defined how she felt about it. Right. But clearly she's moved on in the eight months and is doing something new. I don't know that I love that the new thing that she's doing is being with a man because I feel like that's a lot of what has defined her character is like the relationship she's in. But at least it's something and I don't really know what else I would have her do necessarily and this seems like a a smart progression for that character. Yeah, I mean, I prefer that to kind of like you said, like her being kind of like, I don't know, the 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 unwilling sidekick to Peter, which was kind of what she had been prior to this. So, I mean, it's at least giving her her own sphere to operate within, even if, I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd wish there could be something more than just have it be like a standard romance angle. But, um, again, I feel like this, that was almost in there more to kind of fuel the 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 coming heel turn of Otto. I mean, like I I I, I was getting nervous that you know with the way everyone was talking about the end of Superior, like oh I preferred Otto to Peter and everything that like you know the character had been like kind of forever changed into this other thing. And it's like oh well, no, he's still Otto Octavius, the mad scientist. You know, like let's let's not get too far away from that. So this kind of puts it back onto that ground, in my opinion. Yeah. And I like the little note that she had been seducing this guy with food. Right. Uh, I thought that was a fun little beat there. Uh, yeah, good callback. Yeah. So, all right, Dan, you ready for a grade? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I'm going to give this one a B minus. Oh, I'm right there with you. I was wondering, am I on a curve? Like we were kind of the way we were joking about this issue. People probably thought, oh, yeah, they're going to give it a D or an F or what's lower than an F. I mean, you know, and but I had fun. I, yeah, I think I think we're on a curve here, Mark. But yeah. nevertheless, the curve exists. And, the curve exists. Uh, um, well, speaking of curves, let's hear about some of our curvaceously awesome new Spider Talk members. That was a really bad transition. I would have gone with, <laughs> speaking of curves, let's take a hard right turn <laughs> into this different segment. <laughs> and a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, go for the crater, we can show you how to swim. You belong, you belong, you belong to the Mary Marble Mark. 
Yes, everybody. It's that time of the show where I get to say my favorite one, two, three, four, five words. Six if you count, if you don't count the hyphen. Friendly neighborhood spider talk members club. Woo! Wooey. Um, we have a new member. We do this have time a new around. member. Uh, what's our new member's name, Dan? Well, he's a new member of this Patreon group, but he was an old member of our old club, and that's Eric Gomez, who is uh, who has joined us. So thank you, Eric. It means the world to us. And also, we have Leron Halleck, who upgraded his account to uh, a higher pledge so we could get in on more of the rewards. So uh, uh, thanks, Leron, as well. That That's really awesome of you. Awesome. Thank you, Leron. Thank you, Eric. Um, now, Dan, what's the results of our big raffle for the amazing, fantastic, incredible, marvelous memoir hardcover, the Stan Lee graphic novel? Well, uh, <laughs> To get a book full of lies, uh, uh, you have <laughs> it's to a book of lies. It's a book of lies. No, no, it's a really fun memoir from Stan Lee. And uh, Mark, do you want to give me the? Uh, do you want to give me a little bit of a drum beat here? Well, I'm not good at giving drum beats, so I'll just go. I can't do. I can't do the rolling thing. Oh, that's I'm like, so good, Mark. I'm definitely going to use that as a sound clip from now on. <laughs> yes, our winner. Amongst Mark's baby noises is Tim Peterson. Yay, Tim. Yeah, so check your mailbox in the coming weeks for that book. So, uh, you know, speaking of giveaways, we also gave away over 30 digital comics this week uh, on our page. So if you are one of our Patreon members, make sure to go back to the page and check out all the digital comics that are up for grabs. And uh, and also, you know, check your messages, too, because I've been messaging some of you. I need to get your T-shirt sizes for when I send you T-shirts. So check your messages, everybody. Do your homework. Uh, and we have another raffle coming up, Mark. What are we raffling away this time? Well, we got a set of three posters, one an A-Force number one poster by um, Jim. Wait, how do you say Jim's last name? Chung? Chang? I think it's probably Chung. I, I don't Chung. know. Sorry. Uh, the Alex Ross 75th Anniversary Fantastic Four poster. I wouldn't mind having that one, Dan. Can it's I, can pretty I get... sweet. Uh, and then a Chu Poyo poster? Yeah, you know, the comic Chu from Image. Yeah, Chu. Okay, cool. So, uh, Dan, I don't know where you get these wonderful toys from, but uh, keep it up. <laughs> yeah, they're all great posters. You know, if, if you're looking to decorate and put some awesome stuff. I mean, you can't go wrong with that Alex Ross poster and awesome stuff. Um, so yeah, if you come on our Patreon page and join, uh, for the $5 or $3 level, you'll, uh, you'll be entered in to win these raffle. And, uh, we're only $25 away from our next, uh, rung of upgrades, which means we'll do all the images forever in this podcast. So help us get to our next goal by joining that. Yes, help us, because Dan needs more work. <laughs> yeah, you know, I spend my weekends mailing things to people now. Oh, that's that's fantastic, Dan. Your 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 commitment to this show really makes me feel inadequate. <laughs> Spider Man, Spider Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches. 
Ah, uh, well, yes. Yeah. So comments and emails. We love fan feedback. We love it. We love hearing your questions and comments. Uh, so best way to do that, go to iTunes. Leave us a comment. Leave us a rating. Help us grow our community. You could email us questions at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. You could tweet at us on Twitter and then just make sure you hashtag it. Okay to print. Or you can call us at 9REDGOBLIN, the number that just won't go away. Um, we thought it was just for the 100th episode, but Dan Gavazin said, No! 9REDGOBLIN must continue. The show must go on. What's our first comment, Dan? Yeah, Mark, our first comment comes from Frank Angelone, or Angeloni. I think it's Angelone. I would say Angelone. Angelone. Okay, great. Thanks, Frank. And uh, the title is The Number One Podcast Covering Spider-Man, 5 out of 5. I just wanted to say I really enjoy your podcast. I've been looking for a while for a nicely structured and intelligent conversation built around Amazing Spider-Man. It was hard to find until I stumbled across your show. Spider-Man has always been my favorite character and my favorite comic to read. I'm also trying to collect all the original 700 issues of Amazing Spider-Man, even though it will be a challenge. That's the fun of it. So uh, thanks for writing in, Frank, and good luck on your collection. Mark and I know just how much of a challenge it is. Yeah, especially if you're not counting annuals, because, I mean, let me tell you, that just made collecting them all so much harder for me once I took the annuals out of the picture. That doesn't like, even make any sense. <laughs> Continue on. We have some comments and questions. Um, we got a bunch of you guys asking us who we think is going to follow uh, Dan Slot on the book. Dan, I feel like we've answered that question before. Well, we get an email about it almost every week, and that's okay. Keep emailing us, but... You know, come up with a different question because I think we've answered it and we don't really even know. And I, or that we don't even think it's going to happen. Like, honestly, do you think his time is coming to an end anytime soon? There, there, there is nothing to suggest as much. I, I I think this was a hot topic of conversation um, towards the end of Renew Your Vows because if there was going to be a, a natural end point, that seemed to be it. But it's not, and and the show is continuing, and and you know, I, I I mean, unless unless we're starting to get some kind of hints again during Dead No More, but I again, the, 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 there's no there's no reason to believe this is imminent, folks. So um, you know, if you're asking this because you're disappointed in the book or think we're disappointed in the book and want something new, we I, I understand, but I, I you know, like. I for me I think this 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 change is so far out there that in terms of who who's the most natural person to succeed I don't even know if we if that person is on our radar right now I'll put it to you like that does that make sense to you Dan Yeah and I agree I think if we get a new writer it's going to be someone completely unattached to the current spider team and spider office they're going to bring in a whole new fresh voice um, I would hope at least that we're getting something fresh uh, when that time comes. But I, I just don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, I could certainly see this status quo being changed and that being the trigger event for Dan to leave the book. But there's already so much investment in, you know, not only building up to, you know, dead no more, but then following through on whatever that radical story is that they're suggesting it is. So. 
uh, I think we got at least another year of Dan Slott. And, and if you're frustrated with the book, yeah, again, I get it. But, like, hopefully Mark and I can't do anything about it. But what we can do is you know how the letters page doesn't exist anymore, Mark? Mm. We can be your letters page. You know, keep writing to us, and and hopefully, you know, we can kind of weather the storm, if you want to call it even a storm, depending on what kind of mileage you're getting out of the books, you know, together as a community here at least. Well put, Dan. Well put. Um, so, but we do have some voicemails that we want to play, right? Yes, of course. That old Nine Red Goblin, that old yeah gem. Like uh <laughs> Uh, I was about to make an inappropriate analogy, so I'll, I'll I'll pass. So let's let's listen to this first one, Dan. Hey guys, it's Elliot or uh, Aunt May's stunt double. Uh, you mentioned that you were going to be reading Spider-Man Blue on your next Essentials episode, um, uh, and one of my favorite things about that mini is uh, how it is the writer fitted into continuity. Uh, the story makes an effort to fit itself into. Uh, into, into the already established mythology and, and continuity. Uh, but if I remember correctly, there are still a couple of continuity mistakes. Uh, you know, it didn't matter how hard they tried, they still made a couple. Uh, and so that makes me wonder, um, uh, do you guys consider this canonical? Or do you, do you, do you count this? Uh, or, or is it just a cool kind of uh, alt take on the character, the relationship, uh, the story? Uh, and and what do you think of other minis that are that that's continuity is is brought into question? Thanks for playing that. Good talk to you later. Goodbye. All right, thank you, Aunt May Stunt Devil. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good question, Dan. I like that. Um, do we count? Do, is Spider Man Blue canon, even though it has some continuity mistakes? And kind of with that in mind, are there other instances where there's kind of some Questions of continuity. Um, <sighs> what, you know, are the, what are the big changes that occur in this book that we like that we didn't know previously that would have to be counted into canon? Like I can say, Peter seemingly loses his virginity in this issue. I would say, is that correct? Well, uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Do we count that? I mean, like. To me, I think I count it as canon because I think those developments don't occur elsewhere and like were presu- presumably occurred and here we see them. So I'm willing to take them as canon from this book. Um, I think that's the best answer I can give. Uh, generally, I would say, yeah, I don't uh, – it's, it's a tough question. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I, I mean – I, yeah, I, I I don't have a, a a real answer for it because it's like, yeah, I mean, I I I like the story because it's based on previously published content, but and kind of tells its own story in that. Um, but like, yeah, but I don't know if it. I don't know. I don't know, Dan. I'm I'm confused. I, not not that I'm confused. I'm kind of lost as to how to answer. I'm gonna say it's canon. But with with complexity and and caveats, um, I mean, what about a story like um, Parallel Lives, which to me introduces a huge huh of continuity where we find out that Mary Jane learned that Peter was Spider-Man the night 
the Uncle Ben died. That's a huge what? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I would say typically, yeah, that might operate outside of canon, except that it has been referenced several times going forward that that is in canon. Right, but when Mary Jane learned who Peter was prior to that, when when we had that actual reveal in Amazing Spider-Man 257 and 258, I believe, um, you know, she references she's known for a while, but, you know, that, like, I knew the night that you became Spider-Man and, you know, your uncle died. I mean, you would think that hiding that information from him in that moment is... Even even from Mary Jane's standpoint, it's disingenuous. I mean, that's obviously a, a create that that was something that was added on, despite the fact that there was nothing in continuity that suggested that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so yes, now it's I guess it, it's canon because it's been referenced as such. But like that kind of you know, in, in the same way with Spider Man Blue. I mean, you know, like there are things that have kind of just been shoehorned into it now and accepted this fact. So what does that mean? You know, is it, or are we going to be saying this about Spidey, the Spidey series a few years from now? I don't know. <laughs> well, I think so. Spidey clearly operates outside of Canon. Uh, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Canon has always been a sloppy thing. Like yeah. if you're trying to piece things together, it's just not going to work out for you. Like tough. Uh, right. And Canon is always like, Hey, the current writer did something to it, and then if people like it, it sticks, and if they yeah. don't, it doesn't. Like chapter right. one, and then there's some things that people don't like, and they kind of choose not to reference it again. Like sins past, like they take parts in that story like that people thought were interesting, like the new goblins, and hold on to them. But any reference to Gwen having sex with Norman has never surfaced ever again, to my knowledge. Right. All right, well, it's probably canon. Yeah, it probably still is. Uh, let's get to the second voicemail, Dan. Um, hi, Ashley. Um, my, my name is Tavia Smoka. I'm from Bogota and Florida. And I like your show. Your show is great and awesome. And I just want a quick question. I just want to. Since um, Marvel is not dead no more, and Marvel Civil War 2, um, I am just wondering, at the, do, you, do you think that, um, do you think that Peter Parker is going to do something stupid and reveal, reveal his identity again? So I want to take this question and kind of open it up to maybe beyond what Tevia wanted us to answer. It's that he's asking if, you know, Peter Parker will reveal his identity in Civil War II, um, which I think, Mark, I don't know if I can answer for you, but I think the answer is going to be no. Yeah, I would say no. But the, I think a broader question is, do you think that they would ever go down the route of having Peter reveal his identity again in a broader sense in the comics? Uh, or did they... Sp- spend all their capital undoing that, that they'll never do it again. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would put that in the same boat as the, sorry folks, the, the marriage. I mean, <laughs> it's like, 
why why go through all that to undo it just to you know put that toothpaste back in the tube again you know what i mean like i think i i i i don't see that happening i think that you know it's been what's undone is undone <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you think was the bigger toothpaste to put back in the tube of the mephisto marriage undoing the marriage or the identity because I could see them doing the marriage or, or at least getting him and MJ back together again for sales. I, I just don't see them undoing the mask thing because I feel like the only reason they did that is because they knew they were going to execute a backdoor strategy months later. Yeah, and and – you know all this talk about canon and stuff. I mean, I in continuity. I mean, it's it's pretty well established that Peter has owned up to the fact that revealing his identity was a mistake. He was manipulated into doing it. You know what I mean? Like he because he had he felt he felt a fatherly relationship or paternal relationship with Tony Stark, um, and that he wouldn't fall for that again. So it's kind of like what would be the circumstances that would make him make that mistake again. I mean, I know we sometimes joke that Peter doesn't always learn from his mistakes, but you know, with Mary Jane, I mean, there's, there's, there's an acceptance that, you know, especially with how things were kind of maneuvered in one moment in time, a few years after the, the wedding was resolved that, you know, they just had just grown apart as, as, as lovers. Um, but you know, I feel like that's something that can be repaired more successfully than someone being like, wow, remember when I made like the mistake that changed my entire life and really screwed everything up for me? Like, let me do that again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's I my take. You, and I, I would also say like people who are hoping that the marriage gets back together again, like I wouldn't hope on that either. But no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to give you hope. Yeah. So, so please don't ask me to sign your petitions. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like of the two, I think I, I, I yes, I do agree that I think that the marriage or, or at least something with Mary Jane could be, I mean, like we saw renew your vows. I mean, you know, and I mean, even in with the civil war, secret war story, I mean, like there was an understanding that that was a status quo where his identity was still out, but whatever. It's, I, I just don't see it happening now. So, um, so why don't we, speaking of civil war, why don't we get to some news? See, that was a good transition. Mark, I got to admit defeat. That was actually a good transition. But don't get cocky, kid, because, okay. because I doubt you're going to be able to pull one like that off again. All right. Fair enough. Um, so, Dan, we, we, we finally, after months and months of speculation, we saw Spider-Man in a trailer, the Civil War, Captain America Civil War trailer. And uh, it's pretty cool. Well, what, was your, what was your exact reaction when you saw it? Tell me about the circumstances of, of you saying this. Well, I was I was watching this probably in a place I shouldn't have been watching it, so I don't want to admit that on the air. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so 
And, you know, I was kind of expecting something of Spider-Man based on rumors leading up to this, that this trailer was going to have something. And I just remember, like, I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, originally I thought, like, when there was that scene where Tony Stark is beating up Cap and like, oh, I can do this all day. I was like, oh, is Spider-Man going to come and like whip him away or something like that? You know, like save, save Cap or like, I was like, cause I was like, I'm like, I'm looking at the timestamp on the, on the uh, video and I'm like, we're getting near the end here. And then when he still didn't show up, I was like, what's going on? And then under ruse and everything, I was like, oh, snap. Yay. He's here. <laughs> Like it was probably a squeal would be the best way I put it. I was doing work uh, uh, on my bed, just answering emails, and I knew that this trailer was going to drop today, and and I was hoping it would drop before I had to leave to go to a, a meeting. And when I saw it, I was like, I got to get on this really quickly because I think Spidey's going to be in it. And when I saw Spider Man at the end, I was shocked too. I, there was like fifteen minutes left in the trailer, and I was like, Oh, did, is it not going to happen? And then, you know, everybody knows it happened. And I jumped off the bed and said, oh, F, yeah. Except I didn't say F. I said fudge. Fiddlesticks. <laughs> <laughs> no, very, very exciting. And, Dan, we, we have a lot to talk. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. We have a good amount to talk about uh, with this trailer, including what Spider-Man looks like and kind of the, I mean, the albeit three second performance from what we heard from Tom Holland and, and all that. And, uh, I, I, I hate to be a stinker folks, but, um, where you can find that conversation. If you're a member of the friendly neighborhood spider talk members club over at our Patreon page. So, uh, you want to hear us talk civil war, uh, you you know you got to be a member. Um, I think, uh, and this is something we're gonna have a little bit more often on our uh, our Patreon page. Maybe about once a month, just some special exclusive conversations about um, not just the Spider Man world, but you know, maybe some of the larger comic book, movie verse, TV verse, every you know, all those other things that don't don't always fit into the scheme of the podcast so um yeah we don't want to really bog down this conversation with a half hour discussion of of, civil war yeah yeah so for all of our thoughts on civil war and spider-man mark and i are very excited about it and uh we really want to talk in detail about that costume so you can find it over on our patreon page our members only episodes are going to start going up there so check it out all you patreon members Yes, and and if you're not a Patreon member but you want to hear out, well, there's one way to do it. Become a Patreon member. That's like our special weekend edition uh, of the show. It's the extra special Daily Bugle edition. There you go. There you go. Well, there was Uh, other Spider-Man news uh, about this movie, uh, and that was that they cast, uh, you know, this actress Zendaya. From Disney, right? Yeah, Disney star. Um, in, in it, and um, the rumor is that her character's name will be Michelle, which got a lot of people thinking it was going to be like Michelle, Michelle Gonzalez. Michelle Gonzalez, um, which would be an odd character to kind of shoehorn into a Spider-Man movie, but okay, sure. But if you're looking for diversity, um, yeah, cast, yeah, you know, and if we, if Spidey is anything to go by, they seem to be you know open to changing 
the color of the skin of some of the characters and you know bringing Michelle in or like spectacular Spider-Man the cartoon which brought Gwen into high school you know they're going to play with this stuff a little bit now anybody who knows me knows that I'm incredibly cynical about uh casting announcements and all this stuff because all these sites just want to run this news with no context and hype it up so they can get views and uh Mark I can't say how I know this, but I can say that I know not to get too excited about this Michelle character that's being reported as being like a leading character in the movie. Chances are she's just going to be a background character or a classmate of Peter's. And uh, But either way, we're getting casting announcements happening, which means we're probably going to get a bunch more stuff coming down the line uh, You know, now that kind of that cat has been let out of the bag, so to speak. Very good. Well, you know, what's next? You're going to tell me that Marissa Tomei is not going to be Aunt May? No, that I know for sure. But I am going to tell you that this Venom movie uh, coming back on, which is the other news that that broke the internet, that a Venom movie was going to be made independent of the Spider-Man series without Spider-Man in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is like that news that Aunt May was getting her own spinoff movie. Uh, like, yeah, Sony is investigating a Venom movie. They'd be dumb not to. The same way they're still doing their Sinister Six movie. It doesn't mean that it's actually a movie. It probably means that they have, like, a writer in a basement somewhere thinking (laughs) thinking up ideas about a Venom movie. So if this new Spider-Man movie is successful and they can launch a Venom movie, they already have something, you know, moving ahead and some ideas you know, things are developed all the time that never come to happen. Like the Aunt May thing was probably just a dumb idea scribbled on a notepad somewhere that had no serious thought going into it. So before you all get your pitchforks out at Sony and think, uh, you know, because these guys know that Amazing Spider-Man was a failure. Like they know that those movies were not well received and they're not going to do this kind of dumb stuff again uh, for risk of losing their control of the character. So – Put your pitchforks down. Don't get upset about the Venom thing. There's some guy in Hollywood that's receiving a small paycheck just to come up with dumb Venom ideas, and that's probably about the, the most of it. Very good, Dan. Way to, way to throw water on that fire. Um, <laughs> talking about comics for a second here, um, there was a rather interesting interview that Nick Lowe gave with CBR uh, very recently. Um, you know, In terms of technical stuff, uh, he did kind of a, you know, we, Dan, you and I have, from a podcasting standpoint, have been kind of confused about what the publishing schedule of Spider-Man is because, you know, there have been some months where we've been getting, you know, it's double shipped and some months where it's just been one issue. Uh, and Nick more or less confirmed that it's actually three times every two months. So I, I don't know what's the odd month or the even month, but um, that's that's the drill. Uh, so, um and um it was nice to hear that because our schedule has been so off kilter with this podcast because of this change not being announced that it's nice to at least know so we can get things you know back in order and that's probably a schedule that dan slot can handle and quite frankly with all of the other spider-man books being published right now it's probably about the max of what the market could bear um and kind of to that point um not that the CBR interview discussed this so much, but we there were some recent 
uh, February sales numbers put out. And, and you know, like, you know, Dan, I, I do have to question if you know, the, the, the numbers weren't pretty on some of these books. I mean, the, 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 there is a steady decline of sales across the board for the spider book. And, 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 you know, it makes me wonder two things and, and it kind of connects to two things we've been kind of hammering on. I mean, is the, is the perceived decrease in quality in the flagship book, amazing Spider-Man, is that kind of like, you know, affecting sales down the ticket, so to speak. Um, but I also, I mean, even more to that point, because it's not like Amazing Spider-Man sales are in the toilet. They're still selling like 75,000 copies a month. I mean, it's not, it's not bad, you know? Although but, I will say, Mark, so issue eight sold 70,000, but issue right. eight also had a variant cover, you know? So okay. like, even then, those sales are probably a little, you know, buffered by this variant cover sales. Yeah. I, I'm not saying, again, I I, I mean, I, I I do think you can't... you. You know, there are some some sites going out there saying, oh, look at this um, kind of month over month decrease from issue one. I mean, issue one had like nine bajillion variants and stuff. And, you know, with all these different incentives and stuff like that to it, it's like it really I really do feel like issue comparing sales of issue ones to later issues are apples to oranges, in my opinion, in this in this day and age. But I mean, you know, you could look at certainly like going from issue two to issue three, you know, like, you know, how many people are hanging on to the status quo. And then, you know, for guys, and, you know, if you start to see sales kind of level off around where we are now, issue seven, eight, nine, then, you know, you kind of see where this book is. What's what's probably disconcerting from Amazing Spider-Man standpoint is there it's still going down like every month by a couple more percent. So that's that is disconcerting. But um Dan, I mean the other question for me is 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 is, is the spider is there's just too much spider content right now. I yeah. mean I mean we've got what Carnage and like Web Warriors and and Silk selling like below 25,000 is, issues which is like And Spider-Woman territory. Yeah, and Spider-Woman too, which, I mean, and, and you know, this is the danger of oversaturation is if you put too much stuff out there and water it down, you might lose quality content in, in kind of the aftermath. Like, to me, like, to see what Dennis Hopeless and Javier Rodriguez are doing currently on Spider-Woman to get canceled because of sales, uh, you know, because, you know, they're, they're, she's she's not even the only Spider Woman right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean that would be a crying shame because that book is so well done. You know, and and you just don't want to see that. Or I mean, even what like Jerry Conway and Mike Perkins are doing with Carnage right now. I mean, you know, I know some people weren't totally as baffo about how the first arc resolved as I was, but it's an interest. It to me, like, it's really cool to see a classic creator like Conway take such a new spin on a character who to me is played out like carnage, you know, like, so, um, that's just, you know, that's disappointing. And even books like spider Gwen and silk, which kind of seemed bulletproof, um, before secret wars. I mean, you got to wonder what the secret wars hiatus did to these books, killed their momentum and now bringing it back again in this kind of watered down environment where, I mean, the spider office is literally pumping out how many books right now, like nine, yeah, at least. Um, I mean, nine books related to, like, the spider characters. I mean, that's not even counting other books that Nick Lowe's 
cadre of assistants are looking at. It doesn't so, really let you miss the characters. Like I remember during the Superior era, you know, we would get that, you know, Superior and then it'd be a team-up book. But I really relished every one of those. I mean, even the team-up books. I was like, what are we going to learn in this team-up book? But now right. I have to like kind of – it's like a chore. I mean not really. I still have fun, but you kind of have to plow through these things. And I know that everybody can't buy all of them, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend everybody buy all of them. We do it because we're kind of insane. But yeah, but I mean, like, it 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 makes it harder to give some of these books a chance. I mean, like, you know, like I was ready to kind of throw twenty ninety nine overboard, and you know, we'll get this. We'll get into this in the next time we do flash reviews in a week. But I actually kind of liked the last issue. But it's like. But, like, I'm so burned out on all these different spider books that, to me, like, 2099 is an easy sacrifice because it, like, it just doesn't feel like it has a place anymore, you know? And 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 Silk, I, I, I get the appeal, and I think there's a lot of promise with it, but, like, I think the fact that Silk is, like, with Spider-Gwen, which seems to be have caught on more than Silk did, like, again, I feel like, do we need both of these books? You know, do we need do we need a Venom and a Carnage book? I mean, like, you know, why don't we just pick one? You know, like, do we need Web Warriors? I mean, like, Spider Verse is like, to me, Spider Verse is so far in the rearview window. And even though I think Web Warriors is head and shoulders better than what Spider Verse was when it happened, you know, why are we still talking about the Spider Verse? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I mean, like, there, there's could be some easy decisions to be made, but like, I don't know. So just thought I would Even throw that Batman out there. Batman with all of his various people, I like, ha- I, well, he might have as many books as this, but I mean, it seems very clear that that's what the goal of this was, is to create like a Batman Inc., like a Spider-Man Incorporated, you know? Right. But I don't know that there's enough going on in this series to generate that level of interest. Yeah, I mean, the difference is, you know, with Batman, you know, Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon and, and you know, a detective versus a Batman, you know, two, a couple main books with Batman in it is, you know, you're dealing with legacy characters here, where with the Spider Office, you're dealing with a lot of either new, relatively new, or characters that people have never really shown a tremendous amount of interest to carry an ongoing in, you know, like, were people clamoring for... um Spider-Man Noir to have to be part of an ongoing. I I I I I don't think so. <laughs> well, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, that interview with Nick Lowe, he suggested that nobody was reading Web Warriors, which it was kind of candid. You know, he said like not enough people are reading it, and I wonder if you know a couple months from now we're going to be seeing once these solicitations run out, if we're going to be seeing some cancellations happen. Yeah, I, I would have to think after like eight or nine issues, that seems to be kind of like the the first wave of cancellations when it happens. And 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 you know, kind of to my earlier point, Web Warriors would be even though I'm like Spider Verse was kind of yeah you know yesterday's news, I would feel it's a shame because like Web Warriors is the concept I would have loved to see Spider Verse be when we were getting Spider Verse. So you're kind of like you know, you hate to see good creative ideas get kind of stampeded under sales, but you do have to wonder about the actual editorial strategy behind how this book was, was released and marketed. So, yeah. Interesting conversation. 
Yeah. Um, and, and just on the last point, just a little bit, uh, just some sad news here. Um, uh, comic book artist Paul Ryan uh, passed away earlier this week. Um, Paul Ryan, I mean, very prolific career in, in, in comic books overall at Marvel and DC. Uh, in terms of um, our world here in Spider-Man, I mean, probably penciled one of the most famous issues of Spider-Man of the last 30 years, which was the wedding issue. Um you know, with the very lot of iconic imagery of that comic. I mean, my goodness, um, like it almost kind of kind of shocks me that that was done by someone who didn't have a long history with Spider-Man. Um, yeah, he was is, known for his like his Fantastic Four work. Yeah, I mean, just goes to show what a talented artist he was that he could come in on a book of that magnitude and just nail it and give us all these iconic images. Um, so, I mean, very it's very sad to hear about that. I know we had. Um, some kind words uh, were said about Paul from Tom DeFalco on Facebook and Howard Mackey and um, so many know. of Marvel's, you know, pat, you know, previous and past writers were coming out to say how much of a nice guy he was. And I mean, not, I don't think either of us ever met him, but, you know, uh, he's, he was a big figure in Marvel's history. Definitely. Definitely. All right, Dan, why don't, why don't we um, get into the home stretch here? Yeah, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review. Yeah, and be sure to check out our Facebook pages and subscribe to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin. And, of course, leave us a voicemail at 9RedGoblin. And also be sure to join our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club so you can hear Mark and I discuss the Civil War trailer in a lot more detail and get all kinds of amazing rewards. Yeah, next week we'll be discussing our next essential, which is your pick, Dan. So uh, what should our readers or our listeners be reading up on before the next show? Yeah, uh, next episode we're going to be doing The Goblin Unmasked, which Spider fans will know as Amazing Spider-Man Number 39 and 40, the first reveal of who the Goblin was. And, Mark, we had a piece on our site this week about these very issues as well. Yeah, yeah, that's part of a new feature that we're going to have on Superior Spider Talk called Mysterious Ways, where we're going to look at some of the big long-running uh, mysteries and how they were built up and how they were revealed. Obviously, you know, with dead no more kind of in the back of our minds and some of the other big plot lines from the last few years. Um, so um, I think this is a very, in that regard, timely issue to talk about. All right, Mark. Well, uh, besides that writing on the site, where can people find you on Twitter? Well, where can they find me on Twitter? Well, they can find me on Twitter on Twitter. Well, at- I mean, what's your handle? Oh, I see. Uh, they can find me at Chasing ASM Log. Um, and Dan, where can we find you both on the internet and on Twitter? Well, you can find me on Twitter on Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter at the handle <laughs> at Sup Spider Talk. <laughs> and I mean, do you do anything else on the internet, or you just do up su- at Sup Spider Talk? I do a lot of things, but I'm just going to stick with at Sup Spider Talk this time. Okay, Dan, that sounds fair. So uh, anything else before uh, we part ways? You know, Mark, I, what, I did want to say, uh, mm. you know, when David Bowie passed away a couple of weeks ago, I, I thought mm-hmm. of you first, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, because I'll never forget all the intricate makeup and alt costumery that you wore when we first met. 
it was an inspiring experience to meet someone so openly weird as you. Oh, uh, yeah. I was very glam glam for sure. Yeah. So uh, who was your inspiration to be so bold in your day-to-day life? Was it David Bowie? Um, well, uh, no, but it was someone else with a B in their name. Did this person happen to wear lipstick like you? Uh, well, you know, Dan, you, you might find this hard to believe, but my uncle Ben was a very inspirational man and, you know, always encouraged me to, um, kind of, you know, to, to, to be yourself, to be true to yourself, you know, and, and, um, not that he like got all dressed up and, and, and things like that, but, um, you Not know, like you. No, but but he he was very much into kind of like the glam rock movement of the seventies, kind of like you know during Bowie's era. Uh, he was actually more of a Kiss fan. Uh, yeah, was it the Night Knights and Satan Service? I believe you know ah. the, the, the the face makeup and the tongues and stuff. Um, and oh man, Uncle Ben would just go to Kiss concerts all the time. Um, and you know. Unfortunately, during a, a performance of Shout It Out Loud, um, one of the pyrotechnics went off and just <laughs> just killed Uncle Ben. With a flash and a bang, Uncle Ben was gone. Yeah, I mean, and, and he loved that song, too. I mean, just, you know, shout it out loud. Well, and, what was he shouting out loud during the song? Well, before, before he was incinerated by a flash flash. He made sure he shouted out, with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk. The next